0: Hope you're having a great Monday night, and thank you for spending part of it with us. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay, coming off a win in the desert. The Rams get to 7-5, and and here we are at Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA 7-10. Coach, congratulations on a win. I want to start just by asking, like, what does it say about this sport that you spend your life in, that you can go from minus 39 against Baltimore to plus 27 against Arizona in a span of seven days?
1: I think it says if you've got the right people that know how to respond the right way or give themselves a chance to do that, you know, each week is is its own entity. I mean, you know, this league is so competitive and, and it's about the response and I, I love the way that our players responded I thought our coaching staff did a great job and and I thought it was reflected by the way that uh, you know, the guys played yesterday and now we'll see if we can continue on that theme uh, against a tough team coming up this week. That was the question was it who you played or how you played? Yeah, I think it was how, how we played you know, I, I thought the guys came out, I thought it was really the leaders led, you know, our veteran guys on both sides of the ball and, and really, you know, our special teams led by John and, and Jake and Greg and those guys. I just thought there was a there was a focus, there was an urgency this week, uh, and really we had to be at our best because our best was required. and And last week was something that I think the way that we have a bunch of competitive people in our building, you know, wanted to be able to get a chance to respond uh, in the right way, and they knew that the only way we could do that is by really focusing our concentration on uh, what occurred that that we needed to get fixed, and then how do we come out with a better energy and enthusiasm and and just playing physically and mentally tougher overall and I thought that showed
0: up is it the urgency because you had a disappointing result on Monday or the urgency in that your backs are against the wall if you want to play into the new year I think
1: both you know I I think more than anything there's it's a prideful group and and that certainly was a a humbling and embarrassing night that we all wanted to to be able to move on from and the only way you move on from that is by putting together a good performance as a team the Mm -hmm. next week when you do get that next opportunity and um, you know, every adversity presents an opportunity. And that's what I thought those guys, you know, used last week as a chance to to move forward in the right way. And now what you really say is how do we bottle up that same energy that we had last week and make sure we consistently display that with the way that we play the last quarter of the season. How about
2: you? How were you better as a head coach play caller? Because I went back and looked at Baltimore and then looked at this game. I said, wow, this game looks really easy. So let me look at Baltimore again. So what was different about you going into this game?
1: Well, you know, I, I think uh, I think the players did a great job, DeMar of really being able to put us in, in good situations throughout the game, really in both phases, both sides of the football. You know, we were able to create, you know, three and outs on defense, get the ball back to the offense. Offensively, guys were able to sustain drives and then you hear us talk about it a lot, but the early down efficiency and being able to get more plays off—you can see that that gives you the ability to keep teams a little bit more off balance. And, and ultimately, it all comes down to the execution. And I thought we executed better, and to not really have any of those pre-snap penalties. You know, whether that be on defense. You know, we had the one where we were kind of getting some guys out of the game late, and we'll have to get on Aaron about hustling off the field a little yeah. bit sooner. But <laughs> but for the most part, you know, really it was a clean operation. And I think you know you can't win and you know before you stop beating yourself and more games are lost than they are won and i thought that was that was indicative of a good performance just being able to do that you know and then what ends up occurring as a result of being sharp being urgent you know good things and then guys making plays is always what it really
0: usually boils down to the box score sure looks a lot more balanced and a lot more robust when you get to run 76 plays and play start to finish ahead on the scoreboard doesn't yeah it? exactly you know and, and i think um uh,
1: you know, especially when you end up being able to be efficient early on. You know, the thing that I think we can really take from an offensive standpoint that has to be a focal point and a point of emphasis is a hey, great job, a lot of positives to take away from this. But the, the crazy thing is, is when you look at the accumulation of yards that that we had. You know, and it, the stats don't matter. It's about points in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you have so many, so much positive things that have occurred, so many positive things. Excuse me, moving the ball through the first three drives, and until we end up hitting Higby on that. Quick little bootleg in the in the left flat, you know, you've got three drives, and, and you've got three points to show for that, uh, where you've moved the ball, and, and you, it just goes to show that, hey, it's about being able to get those off, but you also got to finish drives with touchdowns, and then we got to be able to make our field goals. You know, we got to be more consistent, and, and we have confidence in Greg. He's been consistent, but we got to be able to hit those more consistently.
2: That is kind of weird. You blew them out, but, I mean, you could have scored more points, so, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, you know what I mean? We, yeah. we
1: didn't get any points on that second drive. We came away with three on the first drive. We punched those next couple in. We settled for a field goal. We were playing for a field goal at the end of the half to make yep. it to twenty. You know where you just say, "All right, first and foremost, let's not put our defense back out on the field." You know, and then we ended up having the fourth down stop in the, deep into their territory on a, on a fourth and short. That you know, really just execution that that we've got to be better. But there's a lot of things that you could positively take away, and uh, and the best part
0: is it's always easier to correct. You know, after those things as well. One down, four to go in the regular season for Sean McVay and the Rams with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long, and this is the Coach McVay Show. Uh, let's go through some injury updates, and you had two important ones on the shelf going to Arizona, Rob Havenstein at right tackle, and Gerald Everett, the tight end. And then I understand that JoJo uh, took a knock at the end of that game with his hamstring, and his uh, regular season could be in jeopardy.
1: Yeah, there's a, I would say you know I want to be able to talk to him, but when you look at the longevity of what this injury looks like, he's probably a good candidate to potentially place on IR. Uh, and we'll see what that means in terms of filling that roster spot, but, uh, but Rob and Gerald will both continue to be day-to-day, and what that means for their status against the Seahawks, you know, will remain to be seen later in the week. Who was your returner if uh, if JoJo couldn't go in the game? I think Simba would be the punt returner. No, and in, you could, in the game, this past oh, week. Oh, Cooper was going to go back and fair catch it. Okay. And and he there was not going to be any returns. No returns? Catch. Yes. Come on, man, let
2: like Cup return one or two.
1: Come on, Al. No. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, but going forward... Maybe, might... yeah. Going forward, I think, yeah. you know, Simba's a, good, a guy that has Demonstrated the ability. He's worked at it. You know. Fortunately, really, all three of our receivers could go back and, and catch punts if they had to, but those would be in kind of those emergency situations. But if you've got a chance where you're saying, all right, let's get a guy ready to actually compete and perform in that role, uh, Simba, with what I think he showed in the preseason and just his overall toughness and, and what he is as a competitor, I think he would be. Uh, you know, he's going to be the next guy that'll get that chance most likely. Cup's got 30 yards of space in front of him. Still fair catch. In that situation, yes. (laughs) Yesterday, yes. And I heard it'd be one thing. I mean, he can return it. It's not that I don't think he. I know he can make some plays. You look at what he does with the ball in his hands. But
0: you know when that occurred and when JoJo
1: actually got injured. If he was going back, that was a fair catch all the way.
0: And then on kick return, I heard you say Daryl Henderson earlier, which uh, he has a background in that in, in his college days. He
1: does, and you know I think he's he's uh, he's got a chance. You know Mike Thomas is a guy that's done sure. that as well. So so I think uh, we've got a couple candidates, and you know really dependent upon the game and, and the and the weather and and some of the elements where you're going. You know you sure. don't get as many opportunities just based on putting it at the twenty five if it's a touchback, and you got to really measure you know the the risk reward. That's why he hate it for JoJo because it was not a good decision at all to take that one out, and so. Um, you know, that was unfortunate.
0: Yeah. To that point, is there a value to being able to rest, not all your starters, this isn't college football where you have, you know, 80 to 100 guys dressed, but you got a quarter off in mm. week 13. Yeah. For a veteran team, I imagine that's pretty valuable. I
1: think it's valuable for some guys. You know, you still, you know, when you've got your 46 on, on the active roster, you're still scrambling. You know, we, we, we had to do some different things and get a little bit creative with some of the guys that we did want to get out, but... Uh, in some instances and for some spots, it is valuable to be able to get some linemen, some snaps they wouldn't get otherwise. Get a little bit of a, a workload off of an Andrew Whitworth and, and, and an Austin Blythe. But uh, you know, usually you're always there's always a couple people that you can't you know right. r- usually satisfy. Those are those are champagne problems. Those end up being stressful on the headset, but uh, much better than than uh, than some of the other things that we've dealt with. Jared Goff throwing blocks. It was great. Fired me up, man. It was good. It fired a lot of guys up. That's you know? what I'm talking about. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was a uh, just cover-up block. It wasn't really good. You got pads? Come on. Put your head in there. That was the fastest <laughs> I've seen him put his foot in the ground when he realized that thing was cutting back <laughs> across the grain, so... No, guys, we're excited about that, man. It was fun to to hear the the response from his teammates
0: in the team meeting when we showed that one today. All right, well, number 16 may not have a future as a road grader, but we will go through his day as a passer in the desert with Sean McVay as the Coach McVay Show continues from Thousand Oaks next on ESPN LA 710. Goff is a shotgun snap. Bubble screen left side, Robert Woods waiting for his block. Now cuts back to his right. He's got this. The 10, the 15, Goff throws a block, 20 right side. There goes Robert Woods. Track speed down the right sideline and shouldered wow. out in Cardo's territory. From the left numbers, he crosses the field and picks up third and nine with a ton. All right, welcome back to Cal Lutheran and Thousand Oaks. With DeMarco Far. I'm J.B. Long. And the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. Uh, just part of a career-high day for Robert Woods, including yards after the catch. He had 131. The team had 275. The most by any NFL team in the last four seasons, Sean. I know that's been a critical part of your offense for three years now. Can you just give us a sense of what goes into coaching that and preaching that and then how it plays out on Sundays?
1: Yeah, I think the guys did a great job of of being able to create on their own, uh, urgently getting up the you know the field immediately, and then I think a lot of that is a reflection of great ball location. You know, you talk about the accuracy, the importance of the timing and the rhythm, and thought a lot of these plays were when the guys were able to separate Jared's giving them a front pad throw or putting it in a spot that gives them a chance to run after the catch you know and then there were a couple plays like the one you just listened to right there where it's a great individual effort on a screen where you kind of flip it out to a guy certainly not how we drew it up but uh you know Robert has the presence in the in the feel and awareness to be able to cut it across the grain uh Jared leading the way as a as a lead blocker and then what's fun too is you watch the way Todd was pursuing behind you know just his overall effort I think there was a lot of plays that were indicative of our guys competing for one another what does the effort look like with the burst speed and finish every single snap and I thought that showed up for our team which is a real reflection of their character
2: you just made me out to be a liar i told everybody that was the design of the play yeah that's no, what he called I, to get that thing to come exactly. back
1: exactly i knew they were over pursuing if there's a reverse one, p- uh, yeah, quick screen
2: if there's one guy i mean look uh winning games is all that matters but if I could will one guy into the end zone, it would be Robert Woods. For what he gives to the offense, what he gives to his football team, just to get him in the end zone.
1: Yeah, his play energy is contagious. I, I think you look at just when you see a receiver play like that, even, you know, you look at some of the run, you know, the blocks that he's throwing in the run game, digging out safeties. Um, he's a selfless player. He's got a great play energy. I mean, when you just watch certain guys, they exude a confidence, and they just get people excited, and he's one of those guys for our team that people feed off of, and I think it's just the way that he competes, snap in and snap out. He's one of, you a know, really nice guy, but then when, the, when he's in between those lines, he's a war daddy, man.
0: Robert Woods, three straight seasons with 700-plus wow. receiving, six receiver in franchise history to accomplish that first since 2008. And Tory Holt. The Coach McVay Show presented by In N Out, That's What a Hamburger is All About. What'd you like most about Jared Goff's Day besides Throwing the blocks that he did,
1: yeah, I, th- I just thought the overall efficiency that he operated with. I thought he made great decisions. I thought some of his greatest plays. You look at the two-minute drive where you know we ended up having a, a route where somebody slipped on it and he got through a progression. There was a little bit of push in the pocket and he threw it over the top of Malcolm Brown's head. And I thought that was a great play because it was the only play he could have made. So I thought the overall just taking good care of the football, distributing it, making consistently good decisions, and then I love seeing him be, be able to make a couple plays off schedule. You look at the one-third down where get a little bit of inside penetration he gets flushed to his left scrambles with big eyes has two hands on the ball and finds cooper cup on the left sideline on a third down and three so there was there was a lot of things I like but I think it's just the overall body of work in terms of what does it look like to play the position at an efficient level throughout the course of a game uh, efficiency on third downs but also the first and second down decision making being able to change and move the launch point um, it was it was a, a real reflection of a job well done you know from Jared leading the way for our offensive unit.
0: You talk so many times on this show and elsewhere about, you know, his greatest attribute might be the way that he handles adversity and the tough times he's been through as a player. That month of November was tough on him. I can only imagine one of the toughest of his football career at any level. How important was it to see him come out the other side and have that performance yesterday?
1: Yeah, I think it was important for our team. This this is, you know, the, the one thing is we go through all this together. You know, that this isn't a, you know, certain guys get more, you know, the quarterback position always going to be one in the spotlight. And, you know, and he's got broad shoulders. He can handle that. You know, I, I'm sure you guys say negative things about me too, which, you know, I can, I can handle Never. that. And we just DeMarco, keep going back you? to work, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, as Maurice, long as I'm not here. Right? Maurice, <laughs> Maurice has one, and I'm going to throw him under yeah, the bus no, later. I do want to ask you something. It'll go be ahead. good.
1: But I, I think, You know, overall, you know, guys put their head down. They just go back to work, and you compete to the best of your ability. And I thought, I thought it was great for our team. And I think it's always good for a player to have that kind of success because you know you have tangible things to draw confidence from as you build into the last quarter of the season. But he played well. uh, He did a good job, and and those are things that we expect of him and that he knows he's capable of. And it's not always a reflection of just what he can control. I think yesterday's performance was a collaboration of all eleven of the. Unit and guys, you know, being able to feed off one another, and that's why football is the greatest team sport there is.
2: No doubt. Uh, funny, uh, lining up to talk to Tyler Higby after the game. Great game, great game out of him. And the first person he mentions is Gerald Everett. Yeah. His first answer. We're asking him about the game he just had, and he mentions Gerald Everett. We we miss him on the field. Just weird, you know? Yeah. Talk about
1: yourself once. Tyler Higbee is a glue guy. He's he's one of the guys that, you know, if you look at the the way that his teammates love him and just his overall, like you talk about Robert Wood's play energy and stuff like that, you know, one of the things I always love about Tyler Higbee, watch any time that a guy is tackled, whether it be Todd or Jared or one of his, you know, Robert, you know, Brandon, Cooper. Watch who the first guy, if he's in proximity, is going and pick up his teammates you'll always see Tyler Higby do that uh you know and he's got a great personality anybody that's been around him he's got a, a focus he loves football but he also doesn't take himself too seriously and guys love being around him he's always got a nice just aura about himself and you know he's a complete tight end he did
0: his thing and it was great to see I thought he earned those opportunities he got yesterday Talked about some of those favorable down in distances that you had offensively in our first segment. Maybe we can touch on the running backs here, Todd specifically, but Malcolm had one or two in the second quarter as well. Those little hidden yards after contact that turn maybe I don't know second and ten or second and nine into second and five, and I imagine as a play caller, that's a world of difference.
1: It's huge, you know, because now you have all your run pass balance, you know, options, and and you can really activate a lot of different things and present a lot of different things to the defense that you're really not sure what's coming, and and I think that's where you can start to see game plans unfold you can have some of your plays play off of one another but if you're not able to get into those normal favorable situations it's hard to really get into any sort of rhythm you know and and then you end up being you know a little bit regulated in terms of all right we're, we're one dimensional uh, you can just be a little bit more multiple and I think that always puts you in an advantageous situation offensively as is on the flip side when you're in those second-end longs from a defensive perspective. Now you make offenses one-dimensional, and you can present more to them. So
2: it works both ways. Offensively, it's funny what happens when you have the same five guys starting for more than one week.
1: Yeah. Yeah, up front. That continuity is invaluable, and I think uh, as you accumulate some experience with these guys, DeMarco, it is helpful to be able to find out, all right, what do these guys do best, and, and how can we continue to adjust and adapt our system accordingly?
0: So I was going to ask about that too. Like, are you and Jared learning what they do best, and and how to play call and execute plays accordingly with the new group up front?
1: Yeah, and but I I also think that yesterday was was a combination of it's a little bit different than maybe what we had seen, but it also is still about uh, executing plays that build off one another, and and you know usually comes back to the fundamentals, the techniques. But but yes, there is a little bit different approach. While uh, when we are throwing it, it might be similar type actions, but you know what exactly is it? Off of a wide zone fake, is it off of a tight tight zone fake? Those things are very subtle nuances, but you're still running kind of the same kind of
0: concepts to attack uh,
1: various defensive
0: structures. All we poured through the the offense there, and I do have a challenge from Maurice Jones, Drew, for Sean McVay coming up next. But, hey, the uh, defense pitched a three-quarter shutout. The ones did at least, and we have to get to them and what they did to the Cardinals as well as we continue with this edition of the Coach McVay Show live from Thousand Oaks on ESPN LA 710. Murray fakes the draw, back to throw, pressure in his face. This one is intercepted at the 30-yard line. Down the left side, return for a touchdown. The third time's a charm for Taylor Rapp. The rookie scores it for L.A., and this one's out of hand. All right, welcome back to the Coach McVay Show with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long and the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams coming off a win over the Cardinals. They are home in prime time to Seattle this week. Taylor Rapp didn't get to play against the Seahawks in his hometown uh, last go-round. And, uh, boy, if he didn't return that one for a touchdown, I'm sure his teammates would never let him hear the end of it because he had one go off his chest plate, another one called back because of a penalty before that touchdown.
1: Yeah, no, he he played a great game yesterday. And, and I thought, uh, you know, really just overall his body of work within the last couple games has been indicative of what we saw at UW, you know, throughout his college career, and I think you see a guy. He's playing faster. He's playing uh, more assertive. He's he's doing a great job of making plays in close quarters. You know, he closes in on guys. He takes great angles. He has great concept recognition, and I think all those things showed up yesterday. I just, I who taught him to tackle? I mean. My
2: God, it's natural, but damn, yeah. he's great at it.
1: Yeah, you know, certain guys have a great feel for just kind of being able to kind of close that angle, yeah. uh, be able to pick and choose a spot and be able to knife, you know, a guy down and, and be able to wrap up and, and, and get a guy down. And and he's just got a great feel. Like you said, certain people have a knack for it. I think he understands angles. You know, you talk about when you're closing the space between somebody, you know, long stride, then you start to shorten your stride, shuffle, shoot. He's just got a great feel for how to really be able to put all those tools together and make those split-second decisions. What
2: school do you go to again?
1: There you go. Oh, that guy,
0: yeah, Huskies, right? right? The one whose head coach decided to step down. To now you got to bring Marco. that up. You yeah, got to bring was, that up. It was and a bring rough you down. for you. Great, on Wow. making a personal decision. Unbelievable. Yes. Uh, one one major difference I think we noticed yesterday was uh, T. Howard getting some reps on defense, maybe more so than uh, Marquis Christian in your sub packages. What was it against the uh, matchup against Arizona that made sense? There? there was
1: just a couple things that that, that we like personnel wise. I thought you saw him do a great job. Yep. I want to say he played about thirty-three or so snaps, and he made his presence felt. You feel his speed. You feel his athleticism, uh, you know. When, when when we did send him forward a couple times, you could see, you know, he's violent and, he, and he's got the ability to. You feel like you can get some good matchups if you get him matched up one on one with a back and, and pass pro. And so uh, it was good for him to be able to play the way that he did. I think uh, you know Joe Barry did a great job getting him ready to go, and, and I thought he answered the bell really in his first extensive action. Was
2: that Kenyon Drake? He flat backed on it the was. Blitz? Yeah, I mean, yeah. nice
1: shot. I like watching him play. I mean, he's active. He's he's a guy you can use out there on defense. Definitely. No question. Yeah, and he, and he was uh you know. Same Same thing. When you go back to to why you liked him so much at TCU, you saw those things show up yesterday, and that's always encouraging.
0: Six defensive sacks, the most uh, for the Rams in a game since last year, able to do it mostly with just rushing four. But what I liked is, you know, watching Film of Arizona, you can see how important their quick game, their screen game is, and it wasn't just selling out to go get those sacks. Like Dante Fowler batting a couple of passes on his way to Kyler Murray.
1: Yeah, it, it was big, JB. I think it was a, a reflection of a uh, great plan by our defensive coaching staff and then our players' ability to be able to execute it. And winning one-on-one matchups, I thought the first snap really indicated you know, the way guys were ready to play with the way we defended the run. You look at the way that you know, Sebastian Joseph Day takes on a double team. You look at the way that try to bring a tight end across the formation. Michael Brocker sheds him, comes off and violently makes a play. So uh, just the Snap in and snap out. I thought, you know, we look like a tough physical unit. I thought we played sound on the back end, and I thought it was a perfect collaboration of rush and coverage for efficiency on defense. You know, I, I got
2: into an argument with Warren Sapp. Um, I think knocking a pass down is as good as a sack. He begs to differ. It's a dead play if you knock the ball down. Yes. That's as good as a sack to me.
1: Almost as good Almost as a sack, okay. and I say this because a sack entails negative yards unless the quarterback rushes the ball out of bounds for a zero-yard gain, which goes in the stats as a sack. Fair enough, right. So because you're truly setting somebody <laughs> backwards, that would be my only—now, if you say it's like a, just as good as a tackle for no gain— now you're talking okay. the same language. Okay. All right. We're close. But I mean, you're still playing <laughs> the play. Like, it's good. Yeah. It's a huge play. And I'll tell yeah. you what, it's especially relevant for that team, DeMarco. We, we pointed that out actually in the team meeting. Don't, you know, because Dante had two of those batted balls on some screens or RPOs, if you will. They've made a lot of explosives off of those screens. And, you know, the pressure that it puts on a defense because it slows up your rush, you know, because now you're a little bit less, you know, reluctant to just go jet forward because now you got to read out of the stack and, and be able to go make those plays. And his ability to get his hands up, he batted one on a receiver screen and then another one on what looked like an RPO where they kind of tried to whip out a bubble to a three-man surface. And, you know, getting those batted down big-time plays. I'm not going to complain about a sack or that. How about that for Thank you, you?
0: Warren C. Thank you. <laughs> Sean, you're going to see a lot of Kyler Murray in the future, including in Week 17. I know it wasn't uh, his best performance, but could you see or sense in any way why he was the number 1 pick and why he has had some great games there already? Absolutely. I mean, you, you, you watch the tape and you
1: see what he's done. The guy's a great elite competitor, and uh, he can make all the throws. I mean, there's no limitations in what he can do, and then I think you just see uh, how explosive he is. I mean, you look at the one little zone-ready pull you know, I believe, you know, Samson, he's a guy that can run. He probably thought he was going out of bounds. He tiptoes effortlessly down the left sideline. Uh, he can he can get the ball down the field. I mean, you just look at their body of work, and, and certainly one game is never an indicator of the entirety of when you've played 12 games. You look at his body of work as a rookie quarterback in this league, what he's done, and, and the amount of pressure that he's applied to defenses and amount of plays he's made. This guy's a real deal.
2: No doubt. Hey, uh, just to go off something, what is grounding? Intentional grounding. It's on you if your receiver runs the wrong route. There's miscommunication. If it, if it's grounding, it's grounding. Period. Yeah,
1: you know, when you're in the pocket, if there's no, you know, there's a the debatable part of was there pressure that forced the ball to come out, and that's where there was a little bit of a discrepancy. There's certainly things that I think we can do to create clarity that if it is a decision where you feel like you're just throwing it away, all right, make sure you understand exactly where those checkdowns are, so you'll have no, you know, no gray in terms of. What what it looks like. We had a back in the flat right there. And, you know, that, that was a situation that, you know, I'll be interested to see exactly what the, what the, uh, you know, the clarification is that we get when we talk to the league office. But because of that, if they felt like there was pressure and it wasn't
0: clear that there was somebody he was throwing it to, uh, that was why they called that. With DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long and the head coach of the Rams, Sean McVay. We're at halftime of Monday Night Football, the Vikings and the Seahawks, in a contest that has major postseason implications for the Rams. A a Monday Night Football note when we come back to continue this edition on ESPN LA 710. All right, thank you for being with us on a Monday Night. With DeMarco, I'm J.B. Sean McVay with us. And once again, here we are watching Monday Night Football against your next opponent. It's happened so often this season. This is the fourth time we've done it that I actually reached out to the Elias Sports Bureau to ask how uncommon it is, and it turns out that no one has played more than four such games since Monday Night Football was started in 1970. It happened as recently as 2017 for the Dallas Cowboys, where four of their opponents in a given season played the Monday night before. Anyways, the Seahawks and the Vikings going now, and Coach, I heard you say to the assembled media earlier that even though this game has major postseason implications, there's no sense getting emotionally tied up in it from the Rams' perspective.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it does right now, but there's still a month of football left to be played, you know, and, and there's always, you know, it's important. It's why this game is so great, you know, because there's immediate coverage and, you know, it's a it's a week-to-week narrative that you want to be able to have unfold and you start talking about the playoffs, but they're still so far away if we don't handle what we can control and that's focusing on, you know, doing a great job of getting ready for a very, very tough football team in the Seattle Seahawks that we have a lot of respect for. We know them, we're familiar with each other and it's got to be a great game for us to be able to continue to stay relevant and I think our guys know that. And you start getting into where you watch other teams and you, you ride that emotional roller coaster of things that are totally out of your control. Uh, the one thing that, that you have learned in these last couple years is that each week is a new week and then over the last month of the season there's inevitably always things that happen that are unpredictable. I mean you look at uh, where the Eagles were at this point last year and they end up going on another run and find a way to get in so there's different things and, and you just you just got to worry about what you can control and, and that's trying to go get uh, our eighth win this week.
2: Well knowing you I have a feeling if the play seating was different, you'd still be saying the same thing. If you were holding yeah. the one or two seed, you'd still be saying this right now. 100%.
1: And 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 I think, you know, when you look at the, the last three years, you know, the, the, the first two that, that we've been here as a staff, that, that was a consistent approach. And, you know, I, I do believe in that because, you know, all we can do is just play the best of our ability in that given week. And you start looking there, you start expecting other things to happen. And then that's when you totally lose perspective on what is it that we need to do to even make these conversations relevant. And if you don't, it's all wasted energy and emotion that you don't
0: need. Let's change gears and give you an opportunity to take Maurice Jones, Drew, our partner, to task. Brilliant. I teased it earlier, but uh, <laughs> Coach, just to set the stage for our audience, there have been a few situations recently on a running play where Robert Woods in particular, but any receiver will motion into a tight formation, yep. line up behind, let's say, a tight end or a tackle to help lead the way in a running play. Great running back that he was in his day. Maurice says, I don't like that get that extra traffic out of my way, let me take that safety or whomever on. What say you as a play caller for the Rams?
1: I say to Mo, certain runs, yes, if you have the ability to handle support. But as elite as he was back in his prime, there are certain run concepts that if he wants to make a safety miss five yards into the backfield before he gets an exchange, then I say to you, Come on down, big fella. We'll sign you to a contract because now we're playing plus one. Uh, you know, so there is a balance. And I certainly have heard that, you know, because I do understand when you're talking about some split safety stuff, you know, where they might not have an extra guy down into the box. All right, hey, just let the receiver block the corner. Let me take care of the safety so I at least know when I get to the second and third levels, all right, that I'm not going to get sideswiped from a corner. I've definitely heard that consistently. Uh, Moe's a very smart guy, has a lot of production, a lot more production than I do in this league all right but uh i say to you my friend on some of these tight zones where a receiver has to account for the forced defender you want to leave him unblocked it might be second and 15.
0: <laughs> I, I i will say you've taken a team to the super bowl his youth team didn't make the playoffs i don't this think year. so yes I, I, i'll have to knock of early that when we yeah. pass along hey we've that, had that some moments here. that
1: he could get on me though you know so it's it's a balance you know there might be some good things that can come off of that but uh you know, I'd love to sit and watch some film with Mo. Hey, I'm not. I'm not afraid. Of, if he's got some good suggestions, man, come on down. Sounds big like fella. a bit
2: waiting to happen. Absolutely. Can we put it on tape, please? Mm. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, you know, uh, just watching Todd Gurley get off again. Uh, when the running game works, it seems like in everybody's offense. When the running game is consistent, you have success offensively. I think that stands true for this offense in particular.
1: Hundred percent. And and really. Uh, it's a balance and, and to be able to get the runs going, be efficient, uh, then it can get some other stuff that complements the runs all you know off of that, whether it be your screen game, your play action, some of your movements and when you can get all those things going, I think that's when you can really see everybody get involved and everybody have a contribution to an efficient overall day. And I thought Todd did a great job yesterday. You know, even something that's as subtle as alright, we got a play action concept called they did a nice job and Jared does a great job decisively finding his check down, that's a twenty yard gain to Todd in the flat. You you know, just being able to get the ball in his hands, and then he did have some really good, tough, hard-earned runs where he's getting more than what's blocked for. And, and then some guys also did some good job. You know, did a nice job of being able to give some clean surfaces. So I thought it was, uh, you know, as always, a collaboration of the unit. But but when Todd uh, has a good game, I bet you you'll see some uh, real big-time relevance in, in terms of or correlation, I should say. When Todd plays well, uh, usually
0: that means the offense does, and probably the Rams are winning a lot more than they're losing. Hmm. My Coach McVay Show is presented by In-N-Out tonight. In-N-Out, that's what a hamburger is all about. A few uh, NFL kind of league-wide storylines that I wanted to get your take on. We didn't get to speak last week. Um, I'm not sure if you saw there was a piece on Ravens analyst Daniel Stern and the role he plays in kind of feeding John Harbaugh in-game information as it pertains to expected points added, win probability. The context was the Ravens have become like a very aggressive fourth-down team. Sure. You just saw them here. There's a, a nerd nest right down the hall. They do a great job for your staff as well. But, you know, the premise of my question is just, like, how much in-game information is too much as not only the head coach but the play caller? Like, uh, do you have to kind of limit what you're hearing so that you can think clearly and do the best for your team as well? Yeah,
1: I, I think, um, you know, with regards to those things, I think it is a, a part of the the pie in terms of how you allocate and use those decisions the thing that is different is when you take a lot of those stats, uh, that doesn't necessarily always take into account there's 22 moving parts on every single snap. There are certain plays you might like based on a team being regulated or more multiple. What are those matchups? So while I definitely think there's a lot of value to it, to say that there's one overall, just overarching approach uh, week to week where it's the same thing if those same situations present themselves, I think that does ta- doesn't does take into account uh, those matchups Matchups, you know you might have a guy that you're you're limited where you're you know injured or playing with a guy that's down the line on your depth chart that's at the point of attack you know so I think there's some things that come into play I do think that if you have a lot of confidence in the play or the situation based on your preparation then you might lean towards one or the other but um, I think it is valuable but I don't think it's the only thing that goes into that decision-making process so it sounds
0: like that's kind of like a macro statistical perspective in terms of that data but you as a head coach have to have a pulse of what's happening to your team and to the other team in any given moment within a game. I
1: think so, because I think that there is a, a, there's a week of preparation, getting to know the opponent, understanding those matchups, and then the situations where those decisions could be dictated. I think it's very helpful in terms of the clock management where that's a finite thing. You're operating with mm-hmm. certain time. What's the most efficient way? When do you want to utilize timeouts? Those are things that, that's more of a finite stat mm-hmm. that is defined that you definitely lean, lean on those. And then sometimes when you're just playing the number in terms of how to create the discrepancy whether to go for two or not you know but like yesterday like I think there'd probably be people that would say I should have gone for two you know to make it a 35 point game or whatever but there's an element of okay you know let's just continue to play well and you have a feel for it different than if that's a 35 you know when we scored to get it to 34 is do they have 21 points Mm -hmm. you know and and how the, the math plays out so each week is its own entity and then that is a portion of how you allocate your decision making but I certainly don't think it's the only thing yeah doesn't mean that I'm right either that's just the, the, what our approach is because I don't want to discredit there's a lot of very relevant and, and and people that are great at being able to provide beneficial and helpful information you know but but how much of it do you take into account is is what we have to really kind of decide and I think part of it is a it's a balance of both yeah, 34 was enough 20 was enough to win yesterday so yeah I get you if I look in your eyes as a, as a
2: player and I say coach I can get it done I can make this play damn the numbers
1: believe me yeah you know this is what you coached me to do no doubt and and last year when we were at Seattle you know I don't know what the numbers tell you but I, I bet you based on you know there was a lot of reasons why you'd say maybe don't do it punt the ball away and mm-hmm. uh you know the confidence the belief that the players had in themselves to, to go ahead and get that half a yard or whatever it was when we ended up sneaking it with Jared that was more of a gut decision based on the trust you have in your players you know I'm sure that probably when we ended up running for it on fourth down to kind of try to seal the game against the Cowboys last year in the playoffs. That was probably a questionable decision, but some of those things you, you trust guys, and then you say, "All right, what is the dynamic of the team?" And I think when you look at two teams over the last couple years that have really had a bunch of good momentum going, the Ravens are playing at an exceptionally high rate. So of course, you feel really good about being able to be aggressive in your fourth down approach, as were the Eagles a couple years ago when they ended up winning the Super Bowl. Uh, and so some of those situations I think are a reflection of, "All right, where are we at?" You know, in terms of just the momentum we have and how can that lead to us being more aggressive while taking into account some of those statistics
0: and then last thing for me in this segment christian mccaffrey has more yards from scrimmage through 12 games than the last four running backs to win nfl mvp <laughs> they would be adrian peterson ladanian tomlinson sean alexander and marshall falk and the reason i kind of posed this question is because you've seen him up close and personal you saw lamar jackson and you've seen russell wilson once already and will again this sunday do you think a running back will ever win this award again, or has the quarterback just become way too valuable, especially when they're operating at this level?
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's difficult because I think if we were going to see that, it, there's a couple years ago where our guy was playing as well as any player I had seen in the league that year, and you don't want to take away uh, any of the credit that uh, – you know that, that that these guys that deserve for playing at such a high level at that position. I think it's a different. It's hard to put those guys on the same you know on the same measuring stick because there's so many opportunities during a game that the quarterback gets to influence and affect the game. But but when you do look at that running back spot, you know you see what he's done. You look at what Todd's production has meant to our team over the last couple of years. Um, you know, and I just see great football players. To say you know most valuable, I think it's a little bit skewed because certain guys get more opportunities, and I think. It's It's hard to argue that the quarterback usually has the most influence on the outcome of a game if you just took an overall approach, but when you have McCaffrey doing what he's doing, he's the most valuable player probably for the Carolina Panthers because of that production, but if you take the other most valuable quarterbacks and you say, how do you compare those, I think it's hard to really say one's more valuable than the other, but they're very valuable for
0: each of their teams. I
2: voted for AD twice, by the way. Did you? Yeah, Yeah. just in case. Well, I appreciate (laughs) your uh, perspective.
0: and just uh, really interesting insight on NFL level stories. Russell Wilson comes to the Coliseum next. We'll preview what's the same and what's different about the Seahawks and the Rams as they rematch as this edition of the Coach McVay show continues from Cal Lutheran on ESPN LA 710. All right, hope you will join us at the Coliseum on Sunday night. The Seattle Seahawks will be in town. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and Sean McVay with you this evening on ESPN LA 710. Looking ahead to a rematch with the Seahawks, a field goal difference in Seattle in Week 5. I like this note from Ian Rappaport. Only one quarterback in NFL history has led his team to a winning season in each of his first eight That would be Seattle quarterback Russell Wilson. He's at it again tonight against the Minnesota Vikings before he comes to town. Coach, what's similar, what's different about the matchup as we get together with the Seahawks again?
1: Well, you know, we're kind of just in the early stages of our preparation. I, I think what's uh, what's similar is this is a winning football team. I mean, that stat about Russell says it all. Uh, Coach Carroll, so much respect for just the consistency at which they operate, the way these guys compete in all three phases. There's a clear-cut identity. they got great players. They've got sound schemes. They play hard. They play tough. They play physical, and, and we're going to hope to match that intensity. So, I think there's going to be a lot of things, and when you look at the last three times that we've played this team, it's all really come down to the last possession. You know, our two games against them last year our first game against them this year and uh we're expecting another good tough physical matchup this week i mean don't you love
2: competing against a team like that oh yeah Such I mean good players yeah. yes
1: I, I think uh you know that's what you love about the nfl each week you got to bring it otherwise you get humbled and um you know this is a great football team that we're getting ready to, to start preparing for and really dive into and i think there's a lot of uh you know excitement on our players part to attack this week and and know how much we respect these guys but but we're going to go
0: for it we're going to give them our, our best shot i know that They've activated Jaron Reed, a defensive tackle. They've also added Josh Gordon at wide receiver. But you now have Jalen Ramsey on your side, since we've seen the Seahawks last. And I'm reminded of uh, yesterday's game in Arizona. How quiet. You know a Christian Kirk or even one half of the field can be when he's out there. He's almost like a good official, right? When he's doing his job, you don't hear a lot from him, and that's almost by design.
1: Yeah, and and that's you know and that's where you really respect you know his ability to stay engaged, even though sometimes he's not getting as much work. And you know the competitor in him, he wants to see more action. But you know he's doing an opp- he's doing a great job of limiting those opportunities to him because when they look his way, he's he's doing a great job of being mm-hmm. in position. And then you hate to see the one where he does get the interception yesterday that ends up getting called back on a great. Great rush by Oboe, uh, but but he's done a great job. Uh, those are the kind of guys that end up enabling you to be able to be a little bit more flexible if you feel like uh, this is a guy that can match up with certain players and then free up somebody um, elsewhere, and, and Jalen's been been great for us.
2: Somebody's going to try him. I think yeah. you would try
1: him. Did you try him? Did you play him? Yeah, we, we played him a In couple Jackson. years ago. He, you know, yeah. he, he, he did a great job, but... Uh, Robert Woods had a nice speed out on him. You no, know? <laughs> you know, he's he's a great player. Yeah. He, you know, being around him, I've been more impressed with him. Just you know, as we continue to accumulate some experience and more time together, just watching his day to day consistency, his approach. But any elite competitor like he is, you know, wants to be more involved. And then when those playoffs are minimal, you want to be able to take advantage of him. And I think
0: he can be proud that he's done that. All right, the Los Angeles Rams got their seventh win in Arizona, a chance for four more starting this Sunday at the Coliseum in primetime against the Seahawks. DeMarco, have a great rest of your Monday evening. Yes, Sean, sir. Thank you for Thanks, being guys. here. And for all of you listening on ESPN LA 710, coming up next, it's Lakers Talk with Alan Sliwa.